ridiculous. I shared with you a few weeks ago, I was on a bus and uh, we were driving and uh, a person was wearing flip-flops next to me and uh, had his leg crossed and he was just like rolling, cracking, like the whole 20 minute ride, just cracking this ankle and it just was making like you freak out, right? You know, someone eats food in your ear and you know how some, you, we all have that thing that just makes us go like, oh my gosh, just drive me nuts. And uh, I wish that spiritually we got that like bent out of shape when the noise of the world that tries to distract and hinder us from hearing God, I wish we got that freaked out as well about some of the distraction the enemy tries to bring. Amen. So that's why we put together this series to talk about we got to be a people who live above the noise. The noise of this world, the distraction of all the pressures and the stresses and all the stuff that the enemy tries to do to us, we got to get above that. So we talked about prayer. I mean, Sam uh, brought just a great word about how prayer helps us get above the noise. Last week, again, Maddie was talking about how worship, worship helps us get above the noise of the world and all that we're hearing. And so today I want to talk specifically about our finances and our stewardship because uh, statistically the number one stressor of America, of Americans, they say statistically the number one stressor of Americans is the pressure that is associated with our finances. Do you know that scripturally that shouldn't be the case? Scripturally, the way that God has called us to live is be a people who who walk, and we'll read it here in a minute, people who prosper and are blessed to be able to be a blessing. It shouldn't be a stressor. Are you with me? The Bible, I want to read to you just a few things here. Uh, The scripture is so full of truths about stewardship and how we handle our resources. 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus taught So of the very famous parables, 16 of the 38 dealt with money or possessions. So so much of what Jesus talked about had to do with money and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money. There are more than 2,000, some say almost 2,300 scriptures on money and possessions in the Bible, which is twice as many as faith and prayer combined. It's funny, as a pastor, you love it when I get up here and talk about faith. Oh, we got to have faith to break, break through the door or whatever. That's a stupid analogy. we got to have faith to take the mountain. Or we love preaching on faith, and we preach on prayer, and prayers break through, and prayer God wants to do. You, you love that. But when I get up here and I'm like, hey, we got to talk about stewardship, godly principles for money. Everybody's like, I'm out. Wrong day. I told you. Shouldn't have come today, right? But the Bible says twice as much as those two combined, God wants us to understand biblical stewardship. Isn't that interesting? Now, churches actually avoid it. We talk on giving, how many know, generosity at our legacy uh, series is one of our favorite things that we do. We see God just do incredible things through legacy. And so we talk about it then. It's one of the favorite things we do here. And then a couple, two, three, maybe four times throughout the year, we'll talk specifically on our resources. And here's why. Many churches avoid it because it got abused in the past. The money message got very abused in church, and so people just stay away. But what a huge disservice I would be doing to you as your pastor, if Jesus talked this much about stewardship and I decided to stay away from it, how many know, first of all, I'm not being like Jesus, but second of all, I'm doing a huge disservice to you. If the Bible has this many principles in promises in the Bible for us, when it comes to stewardship and our money, how many know the church needs to talk about it? Amen. So you should be excited about, I'm going to talk about your money. Amen. And so here's the deal. If the number one stressor in America is finances, here's the deal. You can't just decide to not participate. 
That's the thing about money. You can't go, you know what? Finances stress me out. I'm just not even going to care. No, it's our livelihood, right? And it's for your whole life. It's not like, hey, just got to do four years of it and I'm done, right? No, it's your whole life has to do. And so it matters that we get it right according to scripture. Amen. The number one stressor in America, they say, is finances. 70% of divorces say that finances finances and financial pressure was a deciding factor in their divorce. 87% of parents say if they didn't have financial pressure, they'd be a better parent. You know, that's not a good stat. 87% say, if I didn't have this burden of debt or the pressure of my financial situation, I could be a better parent. One third of all Americans pay the minimum on their credit card. So they pay the minimum amount on their credit card, but the average American carries $16,000 in credit card debt. You are all smart people. You know that if you had $16,000 in credit card debt and you were only paying the minimum, I mean, you know, you're never getting out of that situation. You're going to have the noise of financial pressure on your life for the most of your life. Are you with me? 50% of Americans have less than one month of reserve in their bank account or, or backup. Now, listen, I'm not here to judge anybody. Everybody's situation is different. I know that some people have gotten sick or injured or uh, student debt is a huge one that's really wiped out the, 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 you know, they were told go to college and then all of a sudden for 10 years of their life, they're trying to unbury from debt. As a matter of fact, America has $1.3 trillion in school loan debt. So I realize we're all in different situations, but here's the situation that we're all in together. We're called to steward it the best that we can. Amen. And so, and so again, this, these aren't judgments. These aren't anything like that. But what I'm saying is we're, we're called to steward it and steward it according to scripture. They say that the average tax return, if applied to your mortgage, would get your mortgage paid off nine years sooner. So if every year in the length of your 30 year mortgage, you put your tax return, I get it. It's different for everybody's situation, but the average American, if you applied that to your thing, now here's what, here's what's interesting. 83% of Americans, though, spend their tax return on entertainment or depreciating items. Some of you are like, I told you, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it interesting? You know, like just the way that we're geared and we're we're, uh, aimed as Americans. A lot of it is because of what we're being told. Let's check this out. America spends more money on marketing or the effort of sales They spend more money on marketing or the effort of sales than education, product development, and well-being combined. So when a company says, we got to do this, we got to do that, all of what we're trying to do here in America is what? Get people to spend, spend, spend. Every single movie, it's the must-see movie. It's the must-own motorcycle. It's the, right? And so they're just telling us, if you don't have this, you'll surely not be happy everybody's trying to get you to spend, 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 not steward, steward, steward. What if it was like, hey, brand new car coming out. Uh, You know, we'd love for you to, but first we need you to think about it, pray about it, spend some time, right? That's not how they sell you things. No, they sell you what? Noise. Are you with me? And so it's so interesting for us to be on guard that way. Jeremiah 29, 11. We all know this scripture. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, here's the thing. If you have overwhelming debt in your life, if you have the financial burden of being buried by the pressures of finances, decisions we made, things, then you're not going to be able to live out that end of that scripture. 
So the scripture says his desire is to give plans for you to prosper and for you to have hope in a future. If you're buried in debt, it's hard to have hope because debt harms us, right? And it doesn't give us much of a future for our hope because we're just looking at the amount and looking at the amount. God's plan is for us to not live that way. Amen. So I see two different ways that the church handles this, and they're both okay, but they need to go together. And I'll explain it here in just a minute. Uh, my son, he's four years old, almost four years old, and you know the weather got a little bit better, so we were out on his bigger pedal bike. And I noticed as he was still trying to figure out how to do it, he was pushing with just one leg. So he would give this one a really hard push, and it would come back around, and he would just hit it again. And I was like, buddy, you got to do the other side too. Like if you do both at the same time, you're going to go a lot faster. And I've seen that's usually how many Christians steward their resources when it comes to the message of stewardship and gospel. Uh, Many people will do this. They'll say, oh, I know that I'm called to be a giver. And so I just give. And you're just pumping the one side of like, I'll do my tithe. Like, well, I tithe. And, and, or, or I'll try to meet a need in generosity. So you're just pumping this side. But the pedal over here of stewardship, you haven't put together yet. So having a budget, making a plan, numbering your days, spending them accordingly, like the scripture tells us to, all of the stuff of, of, of paying attention to how you steward what you have, this is just run amok. So it's good to be a giver, but if you don't have stewardship, you're never going to get it together. Are you with me? Then you get some people that are so extreme over here in the stewardship, they're keeping everything in order and everything's got a plan and everything that it, then over here, they're not generous at all. They're so married and stuck to this plan and the stewardship and this thing that all of a sudden they aren't people that give. Are you with me? It takes both. We're called to be stewards and givers. It's we're working both of these at the same time for God to give us that speed on the bike, if you will. And so I want you to be thinking about that. God's called us to be generous and givers and that's, and I'm not really preaching a tithe sermon this morning, but, but that's where tithing comes in and offerings come in and meeting the needs of people just out on the street. As you, and so that's the generosity portion of it. But the other part of it is we got we to gotta take care of and manage the way and the resources that God has given us. Amen. And that's how we live above the noise. So I got some really practical things for you to kind of think about as we, as we talk about this. And I just you know, seven or eight minutes left, very practical things that I hope you walk away from here going, okay, let's get above the noise on this. I don't want this pressure. I don't want this stress. Let's get above this noise. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a very famous scripture. Uh, it gets preached a lot. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where the moss and the vermin destroy. Many of you don't know Jesus was Southern. So he's like, them vermin destroy. <laughs> And where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And then this is the key part I want to focus in on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where you're investing what's valuable to you, where you put that is is what you really value. You could say it like this. Um, For us, show me your, you know, my mindset is this. Show me your bank account. Show me your calendar. I'll show you what your priorities are. Amen. Imagine if, the, you know, The Bachelor, right? And, and I know some of you sinners watch it, but The Bachelor, I've heard of it. And uh, so imagine this. They have the cocktail party on the first night where all the eligible bachelor and bachelorettes, depending on the season, they're all there, however many of them, and they're trying to impress the man or the woman or whatever it is. Imagine if on the first night it was like, okay, Give me your last two years calendar and bank account statements. We're going to make some decisions tonight, not by what you say, but like what you actually invest in. And so all of a sudden you'd be looking into the calendar. You'd be like, he's 36 years old, spend that much money on video games, (laughs) right? 
and I'm not against video games. I'm just saying she would be like, uh, you know, or, you know, you would start looking in because what? Because what you do is actually who you are. And so where you put your treasure, your time, your money, your, your resources, where you put that is what you really value. That's what the scripture is beginning to say here is like, look, how you invest, how you steward, what you steward it in is where your heart really is. Amen. So I know for us in our life, when we sit down and we say, how are we going to spend our time? How are we going to spend our money? How are we going to spend our, we do it in a way in the things that we value. So that means the church and it means in other people's lives. And it, am I making sense? And so your, your, your treasure, your heart, it, it matters that we get that stewarded right. Verse 24 in the same sermon goes on to say this, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. <clears throat> you can't serve both God and money. Now notice the scripture didn't say you can't serve both God and the devil because he knew it'd be easy for us to not worship Satan, most, most people, <laughs> to not worship Satan and evil, but he knew it would be hard to not chase after money, right? So he's saying, like, look, look, these two things don't go together. The love of stuff, the love of stuff. He's saying, look, you can't serve God and stuff, chasing everything and chasing stuff and chasing after all of the material things. Those two things don't go together. The truth is about our money is we do, we do serve our money. I thought about it like this. It's saying, look, you can't serve God and money. You say, well, I don't serve money. Well, what happens when that bill comes in? That credit card debt that you ran up or that furniture that you financed so long ago that you had to have and now six years later you're paying 30% interest and that bill comes in on the counter and it says you have to pay this much and this much interest. What do you do to that bill? You serve it, don't you? Hopefully you do. <laughs> you serve it. You, you, you pay what it says it's going to pay. Why? Because we're serving that debt at that point. Are you with me? And the scripture is saying they don't go together. It's hard to serve God and be in all of what God has called you to do if we're burdened and buried by serving money. Amen. That's why the scripture says in Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You're a slave. You're doing what you're told when we're in this overwhelming debt. And again, I'm not judging. I'm just trying to say we got to get above the noise of this. Why? Because you serve debt when we put too much debt in our lives. Amen. Here's what I've learned about money, and this is going to surprise some of you. Money, every single time, does what it's told. Money does what it's told. Did you know that money has never crawled out of your bank account and went and bought itself a $7 Starbucks? You told it to do that. Are you with me? Oh, I wish we could do better, but you know, we just don't have enough money, and we just got all this kind of stuff, and we got all this going on, and you know that... It's weird, though, because your money's still going out and buying a $6 beer when you go out to eat seven times in a month. Oh, we wish we had more money to be able to do this and do that. How much are you spending on Starbucks? How much are you with me? And I'm in the same boat. Look, we go to Starbucks. I'm not anti-Starbucks. But if we're trying to get out of serving money, if we're trying to get out of the overwhelming debt and trying to get the master of money off of our lives, then I bet that 20-cent coffee you could make at home would probably be good stewardship clothes. Like, oh, I got to go spend a couple hundred dollars on clothes because I can't wear what I wore last year. Who said? Who said that? The master of money probably said that to you. Like, oh, you got to go get new. And Are you with me? 
Oh, my car, but my car, I, can, I just can barely drive it. it. It doesn't have a heated seat, and it doesn't do Bluetooth, and it doesn't have backup cameras on every corner. Some of y'all have seen your parking. You need more backup cameras. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, we got this, we serve money. I need more. I got to get this. I got to get that. And that's not what Scripture teaches us. Amen. My last couple points here, just very practical. I want you to walk away looking at your money and saying, okay, God, how do I get above the noise? I want to hear you when it comes to stewardship. So I got two practical points for you. First one is this, pray before you pay for anything. Pray before you pay for anything. We're not looking to move uh, out of our neighborhood. The reason I have to say that is because I have neighbors who come here. So I don't want to do breaking news. We're moving, but uh, we're not looking to move. But uh, a couple months ago, the opportunity came for us to really move into this, what we thought was maybe a really great situation. So all happened really quickly. And the friend of a friend told us about this thing. And our house we've lived in for five years. And so the equity has gone way up on it. So we're in a good situation. And so my lender actually sent me an email. And he was like, look, uh, we rent all your stuff. And he's like, he's like, you call me right. He said, right away, call me right away. He's like, I want to show you all of the options. And I just thought, um, how about I pray first? Right? Like how Dave Ramsey actually teaches this. I'll break it down for you in a minute. But let's pray first before we pay first on anything. Because that's what the world is going to tell you. Let me show you all your options. I think option one needs to be pray. God, what do you say first before I pay for anything? Are you with me? I love this little rule by Dave Ramsey. He says this, if it's a $100 purchase, this is going to cause marital strife, but maybe we'll fix that in another series. If it's a $100 purchase, wait a day. Wait one day. Just wait a day and pray about it. Make a decision on it. If it's a $1,000 purchase, wait a week. Just take a week to think about it. Pray on it. Many of you in this room, you have probably been pursuing something, trying to go buy something, and in the process, two or three weeks have gone by, and then all of a sudden, in that process, you learned something or you got more information, and you're like, oh, so glad I didn't fall into that a week ago because I just learned this. That's what this process does. It helps us impulsively jump into a situation that you're going to regret later. They say if it's over a $10,000, if it's over a $10,000, you're making your big purchases. They say take a month, wait a month. Maybe you're going to buy a house. Go get all of your stuff lined up. I realize you can't buy a house and wait and put in an offer. Pastor said, I got to pray first. Will you listen to my offer? I'll get back to you in a month, right? But when you get prepared to go do those things, pray about it. Take some time on this. Pray first, pay later. Amen. That will help us be above the noise. And then number two is have a real plan to get out of bad debt. I realize we got to carry mortgages and car payments and everybody's in a different situation, but I'm talking about the stupid debt. We all know what the stupid debt is. You can't say, oh, I really want to get out of this and I want to get free from this, but then we're continuing to spend on ridiculousness over here. Out to eats and the expensive drinks and all the Starbucks cough. Are you with me? We have to have a real plan to get out of bad debt because it really does hinder and disservice the work that God wants to do in your life. When we were planting this church, uh, we were at a church planting group and there was a pastor there. He was telling us all about the city that he wanted to plant in. He's like, oh, I want to plant in this town and this is the need there and this is where we would go do it. And this, I said, okay, great. You know, like, when are you going to do that? He said, five years. We want to do that in five years. I was like, why do you want to wait five years? He's like, oh, it's going to take about five years because my wife and I, we're in over $400,000 in debt. So it's going to take that long for us to, I said, that, well, dude, like he's obviously serving another master. He can't do what God's called him to do because he's serving another master. There's so many of us we've gotten, the enemy has put us in such a financial hole in deficit and we continue to just keep going and keep burying and keep, that, that God can't do it. He's, are you with me? 
Because he's called us to be a steward. Why? And so we need a real plan to get out of bad debt. How do you lose the burden of weight? You say, okay, I'm no longer going to be consuming that. I'm going to start doing this, and I'm going to do it for this long, this many times, right? It's the same thing with our debt. We need to say, look, I'm going to stop consuming this. I'm going to start doing this with it over this amount of time. you got to break it all down. Are you with me? And so that's how we do it. Here's the deal. We need a budget. 57% of Americans, 57% of Americans don't have a budget. God's called us to steward our money, plan our days, spend them accordingly. We need to lay out what we're going to do with what God has given us. Here's the good thing about budgets. Budgets tell you no. Your wife might not tell you no. Your husband might not tell you no. But the budget tells you no. They taught us this at our our church planning organization. They said, have a 0% budget. Meaning, when you take a look at what you bring in, you have to literally tell every dollar what to do. Don't say, okay, 70% of our budget is bills, and we got this leftover 30. Because guess what you're going to do with the leftover 30? You're going to be spending it, aren't you? Because that's what we do every time we get a paycheck. We say, oh, but we got that leftover 400. And then at the end of the month, you go, where'd that leftover 400 go? And you spent it, right? So take your budget and spend. Now, listen, I'm not saying you can't. He said 0% budget. We can't have any fun. No, you need to categorize your fun. You know, you say 5% or whatever you want to do on entertainment, put it in there. Now, I'll actually tell you this. Your Starbucks budget, like some of that, that doesn't go in your grocery bill. That needs to go in your entertainment bill. That's a treat. Are you with me? Some of you are so mad at me that I'm saying this. I'm starting such a finance or family war. But you need to just make a plan for all that. Why? Because your money does what it's told to do. You need to have a clear plan. Are you with me? We say, that's so good, Pastor. Oh, yeah, you're just really, you're actually doing better than first service. So that's okay. But, but make a plan and really work it. Why? Because God wants you free from this. He wants you above the noise. The number one stressor in your life should not be finances. Scripture calls us to be blessed so that we can be blessers, not blessed to, get, to be stressors right? I'll close with this, Matt, if you want to come. Here's what I would challenge you in this. The scripture says this, and I didn't bring it with me, but you've probably heard it, or you could look it up. But scripture says this, that uh, we're called to steward our lives in such a way that we can give to every good work. Scripture also says that, that, that heaven you know, wants to throw open the windows of heaven and bless us in a way that we can't even contain it. That doesn't sound like financial pressure, that doesn't sound like a burden or a, or a thing on our shoulders. It sounds like, again, God is using us as this, as this vessel, as this person who pours out heaven unto others. We're really called to be these great recycling machines. God gives to us and we give back and he gives to us and he gives back. That's really how we're called to be these vessels on earth when it comes to our stewardship. Amen? I thought about it like this. If I were to tell you right now in this room that all your debt is erased, you no longer have any debt, you're completely debt-free, would you walk out this room and would you look at the community differently? When you're walking past somebody in the store, would your heart be a little more in tune to maybe helping others if you were completely debt-free right now? Of course it would. Of course it would. Think about it like this. If I said when you're out in the community, every single time you reach Every single time God speaks to you about something or somebody, every single time you reach in your pocket, what's on your heart to give that person would be there. Would you look at your community different? Would you walk through the store with a little bit different pep in your step, right? Why? Because you'd be like, oh, every time. You would be blessing, you would be giving, you would be equipping. Every time you saw a single mom or every time you saw someone in distress, right? 
That's actually how God's really called us to live. Blessed to be a blessing, overflowing enough to give to every good work. He doesn't want us burdened in debt and stuck in all the pressure of the noise of finances, right? Bill Johnson says that in heaven is every single answer to this world's needs. Oh, how do we solve cancer? How do we fix this political situation? How do we heal this over here? It's all in heaven. We just got to be hearers. We got to be in tune with what heaven's hearing. So what is the enemy trying to do? Put so much noise in our head so that we don't get the answers from heaven. One of the ways he does it is in finances. Just get so caught up in the neck. Now listen, God wants us to have nice stuff. I mean, y'all know my life. You know me. I, I, I'm not against us having nice stuff and, and taking trips and having fun. That's all great. But it all has to be done in the way of godly principles and stewardship. Amen. Why? Because God wants to bless you to bless others.